welcome to Themis Podcasts. Themis is a risk management firm specialising in financial crime. Our aim of these podcasts is to bring you interesting news, interviews and recordings of our exclusive events from the world of financial crime. Welcome to episode two. In this episode, we explore the dark underbelly of the internet, with a recording of a recent webinar we held in partnership with Accurate Risk Intelligence and the Capital Club Dubai. The webinar was titled Demystifying the Dark Web. In this Middle East edition of the webinar, we explore what the dark web is and the current and emerging threats that we are all exposed to, especially during lockdown, with a focus on the Middle East. Professor Richard Benham, a leading expert in cybercrime and the world's first formal professor of cybersecurity management, leads us through an overview of this lesser-known part of the World Wide Web. And Nick Parfit, head of market planning for Accurus, puts questions to Richard from the audience. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our latest, latest lockdown webinar demystifying the dark web. Thank you all for joining us. I hope everybody is safe and well in Dubai, Abu Dhabi or wherever else you may be joining us from. Over the course of the next hour, we will hopefully be giving you something to think about as we explore this intriguing threat that is the dark web and the various risks that it poses to us as both companies and individuals. Today, we will explore how criminal gangs may be stealing both your company data and that of your customers to create fake profiles on the dark web and use these to set up illicit businesses, profiting from the sale of drugs, horrific crimes and even murder. So is your business or are you individually exposed to this threat? Here to answer these important questions, we have none other than Professor Richard Benham the world's first formal professor of cyber security management and best known as a celebrated author for creating the national MBA in cybersecurity with the support of the Prime Minister in 2014. This webinar is brought to you in partnership with the Capital Club, a private members club in Dubai, and I would like to extend a particularly warm welcome to all the Capital Club members who have joined us today and Accurus a trusted and independent provider of data intelligence for anti-money laundering, anti-corruption and cybersecurity professionals. I would also like to introduce you to Nick Parfit, Head of Market Planning at Accurus Risk Intelligence, who will be moderating the discussion with us today. My name is James Whiteman and I'm the MD of Themis Mina, a risk management and technology firm specialising in financial crime. As well as our core financial crime audit and advisory, technology and outsourcing services, much of our work is focused on threat-based insight and intelligence through our think tank. And we are very proud to be partnering with Accurus and Professor Benham to bring you this introduction to the dark web. We also have, let's just have a look, 92 of you wonderful guests that have joined us today. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll try and make this session as interactive as possible. Professor uh, Benham will start with a short talk uh, and we will quickly move into questions and Nick will be able to see them coming up on the screen as we go through. So he will ask as, as many as we've got time for. I hope you enjoy this webinar and thank you again very much for joining us today. I'll now hand over to Professor Benham to tell us more about the dark web. Thank you, James. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, obviously, the weather will be good out there. It's also good here in the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm talking to you today from Cheltenham in the United Kingdom. Um, which is the cyber cyber centre um, of uh, the United Kingdom, and obviously where our government uh, spy centre is, which uh, we're not supposed to mention. Um, I'm going to talk to you over the next half an hour uh, around the dark web. Uh, more and more, it's becoming an issue, um, and I'll explain why. Um, and certainly as technology uh, increases and gets better and better, particularly the introduction of 5G, um, it's going to uh, expand. It's going to be a, become a very profitable area uh, for criminals. Um, but before I do that, I just want to share with you um, a wider view of the threat landscape. Um, and then I'll take you into the dark web, talk to you about exactly what it is, 
um, what the threats are, but more importantly, um, what you can do as businesses and individuals to protect both your um, your businesses and your families. Um, as uh, James said, it will be interactive. We have some um, surveys as we go through, which I hope that you'll enjoy, uh, with some very interesting questions. Um, we also have, um, obviously, the capability to take questions from you, uh, and Nick will gather those. So please, please uh, send me your questions. More than delighted uh, to answer absolutely anything that you want to, to throw my way. Um, now, I've, got, I've just got a few slides I want to go through with you to put the, the whole threat landscape um, into context. Uh, and, I, and I won't go through this verbatim, but I think there are, there are probably three important areas um, within, within these statistics uh, for the UAE. Um, I think that worldwide, we've already seen uh, 38 million um, new pieces of malware. So that's viruses, bugs, things that can go wrong um, with your technology. Um, that's a huge number. Um, and, and, there's, and there's definitely a business there um, being driven to, to disrupt the internet and business generally, um, largely from cyber criminals, also from just individuals who are malicious, but also now we're obviously seeing a lot from uh, from nation states who are seeking to to disrupt other countries um, for both political and economic benefit. Um, from a technical point of view, which is which is obviously where where I come into this, the the most troubling part for me is a lot of the um, the bugs or the viruses that are now being made um, to go out there uh, have a have a very large amount of investment in them uh, and they are actually um, polymorphic which means that not only is someone producing just a virus to send out there to to do something um, they're actually producing something that's very clever and something that can constantly change uh, to evade detection uh, that makes it very, very sophisticated. Uh, and this is why cybersecurity is becoming such a big industry. Um, with the introduction of 5G, artificial intelligence and the like, that risk is, is, is probably the biggest one facing, facing any, um, any nation or any business uh, or any citizen. Uh, how do we defend against it? But we'll talk about that uh, a bit later on. Um, your part of the world is absolutely delightful. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Middle East generally and the UAE and Dubai, uh, particularly for all the excellent work that you're doing um, with smart cities, with the introduction of cutting edge, te te cutting edge technology um, and obviously making um, making your your area um, a digital leader in the world. Um, but that comes at a price. Uh, and I'm also very aware um, that because of the amount of revenue that you generate, the sophistication of what you're introducing, uh, you are also uh, very much a target for, for cyber criminals. There's a stat there that says 82% of all companies surveyed in the Middle East said that they'd been attacked. Clearly, that's 100%. Uh, how many people would admit to it? obviously depends on uh, on obviously maintaining reputation. But more importantly than that, uh, no one wants to admit they've been compromised uh, and some people just don't realize. But it's definitely a fact that the, that the threat landscape is definitely evolving. Here in the United Kingdom, I work very closely uh, with the National Crime Agency, Europol, Interpol, uh, and a lot of the law enforcement agencies. Um, and whilst this is UK centric, um, you know, the NCA, the National Crime Agency here, have produced quite a good model for, for tackling uh, serious and organised crime. Um, but we have a big issue as well with the city of London being uh, being obviously in the United Kingdom. Um, we see an awful lot of crime related fraud, um, particularly digital um, and cyber fraud happening. Um, in terms of the dark web, so, so that's really the threat landscape. But if we look at the dark web in particular, that also has become very, very sophisticated over the last 10 years. Um, the slide I've just put up uh, is uh, just talks about a company that's trading uh, on the dark web or was trading on the dark web till it was taken down called Alpha Bay. Clearly, someone has a sense of humor because it's like eBay for criminals. Um, but what's staggering about this is that it was set up in very much the same way. Um, but what is staggering is that up to 2017, it had turned around $3 billion um, worth of business and had done over 3 million uh, Bitcoin transactions. Uh, and I'll also talk about Bitcoin um, on a future slide. So this is big, big business. So the dark web, and I think I read somewhere, and it's totally, this is, this is without any foundation, but they say it's the third largest trading area in the world. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. 
but certainly it's a problem and it's a problem for for businesses citizens uh, and nations that wish to trade properly um, because of course people don't pay tax on, on the dark web so it does have uh, significant tax advantages the slide i've just put up um the criminals uh, um i'm not sure if it's a sense of humor or whether it's having good business acumen um but they call that but they call their sites things like the hailer and wall street um but again Behind the um, behind the facade and the branding, um, there's serious criminality trading in undesirable things going on, and a heck of a lot of Bitcoin transactions and cryptocurrency transactions going on. So, just before we go to our first survey, uh, it would be remiss of me not to talk to you about COVID-19 uh, and where we find ourselves today, um, and how that's impacting on the dark web. Um, it's actually benefiting the dark web, the criminals that, that, that sit within it. Uh, we're seeing a huge increase um, in two areas. Uh, the first area is, is, is the sale of illegal drugs and substances and magic cures. Um, and the criminals are playing on people's vulnerabilities, encourage them to go into the dark web, encourage them to buy, um, you know, uh, cures for COVID-19 and similar things. And of course, you know, sat at home feeling slightly desperate, um, you know, they are having access to a computer. Um, the dark web is, is relatively easy to access. And again, I, I will explain that later on. The other key area that we've seen, and I'm sure that you've all seen it in, in your email boxes and, uh, and, and on your phones, is that uh, the number of um, spoof emails, texts that are coming through, um, enticing us to click on things that perhaps we shouldn't. Um, and because our business for a lot of us are you know we're working from home on our laptops as as i am today talking to you um it presents the criminals with an ideal opportunity to get into places that they wouldn't normally do working from home generally and uh, not for all companies presents a big security risk it's far easier for me if i was a cyber criminal to hack into your home uh, network and into your pc with your work they said than it is within a work environment so I'd like to go to the survey, our first survey, uh, and uh, obviously I'll ask a question and pass to Nick. So you do not have to answer this, but it, it would I would be greatly appreciated if you could answer this honestly. Um, but have you actually been on the dark web at any time? Thanks, Richard. Okay, great. So we've got people uh, uh, polling away, which is great. Fantastic, you guys are engaged. Um, I, I mean, I, I personally, I, I did dabble going onto the dark web, Richard, many, many years ago, um, really for a very brief period of time. I, I was more curious about sort of downloading the Onion router and um, and then getting onto it and, you know, seeing really to what degree the, you know, the, the search engines have differed very, very drastically to the familiar ones around, uh, you know, Google and what have you. Um, I got cold feet probably within about 30 minutes, uh, came out very quickly, uninstalled Tor, uh, wiped the laptop and, and, and never went back again after that, to be perfectly honest. So, um, we'll believe you, Nick. We'll believe you. I somehow yeah. don't. So, so you went for investigation purposes only. I understand. Your secret yeah. your secret safe with me. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and then, you know, you, re you read a lot going forward and you just think, wow, actually, you do open yourself up to a lot of vulnerabilities if you're not not very, very careful with, you know, with, with what you're doing. Um, but um, OK, uh, so let's have a look at the results there. Thank you, everybody, for for that. Um, let's just share the results there. And um, wow. So only 10 percent of you have been uh, on the dark web and 90 percent haven't. That's that's pretty interesting, Richard. What what, what we, how how do, how do you think that compares with our previous poll with uh, within the EMEA region? Yes, yeah, so, so so certainly within within Europe and the area, it was about ninety percent said yes and ten uh, percent said no. Um, I I do appreciate the part of the world that you're obviously sat in that that uh, you know I, I believe in some states it's still a it, it's actually illegal to access the dark web. So um, but but for those ten percent, uh, thank you for your candor. Um, and I think for the for the rest of you, um, I think, you know, if you haven't been on it, then that's excellent news. And I'll explain why. Um, but very, very interesting. And, uh, and and I said the exact reverse for um, for Europe. So um, interesting. So I'm going to give you the information as to how to get onto the dark web. But clearly, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend it. But we'll as I said, I'll, I'll pick that up later on uh, on in the presentation. Thank you, everybody. That's a really interesting, uh, really interesting stat.
Richard, can I just, um, I've got a question yeah. coming in just before we jump into this. Um, somebody's sure. gone back asking about uh, the, the action fraud figures there for 2018 that you presented. Um, yes. and there were some, some pretty significant numbers there, you know, around, if I can remember now, 37% uh, or 37 billion cost to the UK economy. Yes. Um, and some very high figures for reporting to to action fraud. In yeah. your experience to date, are those figures climbing, plateauing, declining? Do you think? Yeah. So, so, so two things. Certainly within the UK, we use action fraud, but uh, that's almost been overwhelmed by the response over the last couple of years. And certainly, law enforcement agencies and companies, um, whilst we still encourage them to share intelligence because that helps us in the battle against crime um, many companies and particularly larger institutions are very reluctant to report anything um, because it causes reputational damage so there's you know there's, there's definitely a balance there and certainly the big banks in in in, in europe were and some of the global players were very reluctant to um to disclose um obviously the the, the attacks that they have ha having said that um the openness has come i think just through necessity um, because I think big business like the law enforcement agencies know they have to work together. So there has to be an element of mutual trust. Uh, those figures are, are accelerating. Uh, they are going up year on year. Uh, and as I said, this still remains a large proportion of things that aren't reported. Great, thank you. So that will cheer everybody up. So that's a nice chat. <laughs> but unfortunately, that is that that is the reality of where we find ourselves, I'm afraid. So a lot of people ask me, well, what is the dark web? What does it mean? How does it relate to the World Wide Web? Um, and what does it mean um, for all my sensitive data? Is that on the dark web or is it on the Internet or or whatever? Um, the first thing to explain is um, that um, the web is is effectively, um, as we know it, the World Wide Web is everything that we search upon the, when we use Google, we use Bing, Yahoo. Um, all our everyday um, searching on, on the internet goes tends to go through the World Wide Web to find websites that, that can obviously help us. Uh, underneath that and what exists on the internet is something called the deep web. And actually, it's probably described wrongly. It is both the deep web and deep net. But effectively, it's where all the financial records, it's where all emails, it's where all Twitters and social media, it's where anything that we put a password on and encrypt or we have a gateway to going into is stored. And all of that information makes up about 90 percent uh, of what we would uh, define as being on the web. So we have effectively 5 percent that we use on the World Wide Web, 90 percent, which is all of the information and, and bits that we use to transact. And that's the bit that we protect as businesses, because that's the bit that, you know, that all businesses um, and, um, and uh, 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 not just businesses, academia, governments, that they all run on and where they store it. But right at the bottom of that uh, is something called the dark web. Um, and this is effectively um, about 5% again. And this is restricted to, to special browsers. You can only get on here with a special browser. It tends not to be indexed. So by putting in, in a generic term, it's very hard to find what you want. So you have to know why you're going into the dark web and you have to know what you're looking for. That said, when you do go in, it's very, very easy to find all sorts of bad stuff. Um, the big, the big um, characteristic of the dark web is that um, largely it's illegal behavior that goes on there, um, but it's anonymous. It means that you can log on without being identified and you can transact without being identified. So it is a criminal's paradise. Um, there are also benefits to, to governments, to uh, both uh, military and also to um, counterterrorism and um, intelligence um, bodies as well. Um, but primarily, the dark web has evolved into a place for, for criminals. So the next question I always get asked is, well, why do they exist? Well, I've explained to you why the deep web exists. That has to exist so that we can transact confidential information across the internet to enable us to, to use the internet and to use the World Wide Web to do business, you know, to send things confidentially um, and to just transact a lot of our business. Um, and to be perfectly honest, uh, a lot of the world's trade banking and everything now, now exists through the deep web. But why does the dark web exist? I mean, if it's that bad, why don't we just shut it down? Well, well there was actually an attempt to shut it down a few years ago, but it is so difficult to shut down because, um, because everything's anonymous. 
um, because there is this um, pressing uh, belief that the internet must remain free, um, it's a very, very difficult thing to police. And as soon as you shut something down, something um, appears in its place. The introduction of Bitcoin has clearly en enhanced that capability uh, for people to transact. So the dark web won't necessarily disappear. It will evolve and it will change. Um, and there are, and with the new technologies, with 5G, the use of what's called peer-to-peer -peer, uh, data transfer, that is without the need to go through um, the internet or the like, um, the problem's going to remain. It will just manifest itself in a different way. But as we sit here today, uh, the dark web does exist. Um, we can't shut it down. But what we can do is modify our behavior to protect ourselves. There are some Richard, positive sides to the dark web. Sorry. Sorry, Richard, just to, just to jump okay. in there, because we've got a question that's, that's very pertinent to, uh, to the shutting down. Um, and the fact that you, you've mentioned how difficult it is. And we, we have a question here saying, well, if you can't shut it down, can you not make it illegal to download the browsers which access it such as all? So it sounds a fair question. Uh, I think that's that's exactly the right question, and I know that governments and law enforcement agencies are looking at that. Um, but there is there is this constant dilemma that if you took away the browsers, somebody would just invent another one now because because everyone understands the mechanics. Um, but there is this there, there is this um, call for freedom on the internet that um, that goes against security, and we're seeing it more and more. It's one of the big ethical questions around the use of the internet. You know, how much should the state uh, restrict access for citizens on, you know, on the freedom of information, uh, and at what point does it become a security issue, um, or, or, or what point does it become illegal? Now, in in the real world, that's quite straightforward to know, but everything's a little bit ambiguous when when you're online, uh, and particularly if you're anonymous, it's very difficult, um, even if someone's doing something uh, wrong, to actually find who's who's actually doing it wrong. Um, there's also a call for, and I've mentioned it on this slide, um, journalistic reporting, uh, research, uh, intelligence sharing, um, and you know, uh, a lot of the spy agencies around the world will use the dark web to transact information. Uh, and indeed, the dark web started up um, as a uh, military-based tool, I think it's for the US Navy, uh, many years ago. And there is an irony that they still fund part of the dark web and part of Tor, um, which, which which they obviously introduced to enable that to happen. So journalists would say, well, actually, we want to keep this uh, anonymous capability on the web because, of course, uh, we want freedom of information. Um, a very timely ethical uh, issue for governments and business and everyone to, uh, to decide on. Um, and I think the need to protect citizens will effectively always um, override that. Um, but there is that battle going on at the moment. So I've, so I've mentioned that what's, what's, what's on the dark web. I need to focus and tell you what's bad on the dark web, just so you know, you know, if you've never been on there, if you do go on there, what you can expect to see. Uh, stolen information, um, any information that's stolen, any data breach, British Airways was a particular recent one, but there are many, many examples of, of huge data, data breaches um, across the globe. Um, every time data is stolen, almost almost within hours, it finds itself on the dark web for sale. Um, if I was a cyber criminal, um, that's the area I'd go for. Quite simply, because it carries low risk, um, and it and it's and and you can sell it relatively quickly. People will always buy credit card numbers. They always buy people's passwords. There are a lot of people out there that will pay money for that. If you get in right at the beginning of a breach, you can get pounds or dollars, um, tens of dollars um, for the information. But obviously, as it gets shared more and more, you can get fractions of cents, fractions of uh, pounds uh, for the information. But because it's in, because it's always stolen in bulk, um, it's uh, it's always worth money. Um, illegal drugs and substances. I've mentioned COVID-19 and obviously the increase in this area on the dark web. Um, the purchase of not just recreational hard drugs, prescription drugs. We also see um, illegal substances uh, being being traded on here as well, um, and that can be that can be bioweapons um, and and the like. Um, the most gruesome part, and this is the one that tends to get more publicity than others, um, is obviously child pornography, um, the use of human trafficking, sale of body parts, counterfeit goods and banknotes, uh, and also weapons um, can also be purchased on the dark web. Uh, and for me, as a as a citizen, that that does disturb me, uh, um, probably more than the others, even though the others are bad. Um, and I think for that reason, I think you know this is why the law enforcement um, agencies um, are, 
are so keen to um, to police the dark web, um, but it's not good. Um, Richard, Richard, could I just ask you a quick question then, which is coming course. in from the audience? Um, and the question is, uh, is around, are there any specific risks then for the UAE? And uh, do you have any examples? Yeah, so 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 the UAE in particular, because you're you're very digitally advanced and you're investing huge sums of money uh, in your digital infrastructure. Uh, I mean, the smart cities are, are phenomenally uh, impressive. Um, you know, the the risk the risks are are, are considerably more. Um, and I think you know when 5G comes in, and I was going to expect this question later on. What is the biggest benefit of 5G? The biggest benefit of 5G is that you can create smart cities you can have speeds and capacity um that that are just 10 12 15 times faster than 4g but more importantly than that um it's an enabler it's the point at which we don't remain in control we pass that trust onto the technology because the technology will be faster than we can think and react and we will create intelligent environments in our cities and within our uh, workplaces so that um, so that the machinery and technology does things for us faster, quicker, um, but also at a speed uh, that we can't effectively control in real time. Now, there are real advantages to that, massive, huge advantages um, in terms of being able to transact, um, in, in being able to offer products that are so much more um, uh, customized um, to what businesses and people want. But it comes at a price, um, and the price—the price of that—is is that you create a, a bigger vulnerability. So for me, uh, within the UAE, it's the pace of the technology, it's the speed of the technology that presents the risk to you, not the technology itself. Um, and it's just having an awareness um, of where it could possibly go wrong, um, which will which, which will leave you vulnerable. Having said that. Um, you know, it is possible to build in uh, security measures in, into any new technology, um, but that worries me slightly that the um, that the use of 5G will also create artificial criminals. So you won't just be physical criminals. We'll see a, a lot more artificial intelligence, something called bots, uh, which are effectively man-made little uh, programs. Uh, you'll see those becoming more and more sophisticated. So when I spoke at the beginning of the talk about um, viruses becoming more sophisticated. If you have an intelligent environment and you are investing lots of money in 5G and creating, as you are in the UAE, um, you also need to ensure that the investment goes into defending proactively, in my view, um, some of the threats that will that will evolve. Um, that said, and, and we had the question earlier, and I put it on the side here, um, the onion router is illegal to use in some Middle Eastern countries, uh, and I believe it is still illegal to use it in the UAE. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Personally, that's my personal view. Um, however, uh, the rest of the world uh, doesn't seem to have quite, quite so much of an issue. As I said before, it was originally used um, by the military to access um, a very secret sort of form of communication. Uh, and somewhere along the line, it's sort of lost control um, and the criminals have um, have moved in. What I didn't mention earlier is virtually everything within the dark web tends to have encryption. Um, and the reason it's called an onion um, is because uh, as you go into it, there are layers and layers of encryption like an onion, which effectively means that no one can see who you are. So that that's why Tor is used. It's why it's called an onion is it just keeps you anonymous. So, Nick, you're probably all right. They probably didn't realize it was you. And um, just before we go to our next next survey again, um, what's buying on dark web? I mentioned cryptocurrencies, um, particularly Bitcoin has been a big enabler on the dark web to enable um, criminals to transact. Um, and of course, the use of, uh, of money laundering is well is well documented on that. We're seeing a lot more um, cryptocurrencies being introduced. Uh, we're also seeing a barter being used as well. So the, the provision of one service against another. Um, and again, that all helps to keep buyers and sellers um, anonymous from, from each other. So, a survey. So, um, have you personally, any of you, experienced identity or credit card fraud? So this is a question for you personally rather than for your business. Uh, and I'm interested to know because um, it will give me a good benchmark as to, um, as to obviously uh, how vulnerable um, you feel that you are.
Sorry, I was on mute. And great. Well, everybody's just uh, responding to the poll there. Uh, thank you for this. Nearly 75% in. Quick uh, circle back on one of the questions here from the audience, Richard. Um, and just a clarification on, I suppose, content that is available on the dark web. And, and the question is, um, is he, the person asks, you know, we're, we're focusing really on financial data, but um, does the dark web include things like downloading a new, newly released film or streaming a live sporting event? Is this the same or is it different? No, I, 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 absolutely. Um, so. Um, you, you can buy most things on the dark web, particularly if it's a newly released film. Uh, although there are, um, there tend to be websites on the World Wide Web that will enable you to do that. Um, you can also purchase these uh, boxes, streaming boxes, and we do see it in more developed countries, particularly where there's state censorship, where, where a lot of citizens do buy uh, streaming boxes. Um, so, so I act as an advisor for the FA Premier League, which is the Premier League in the United Kingdom. And one of our biggest challenges, uh, particularly uh, in the Far East, uh, more than anywhere else, is that people buy these illegal boxes to watch Premier League football matches. Um, and it causes big problems because they don't know where the boxes come from. Um, and immediately, you know, not only are they illegal from a copyright and uh, point of view, but but more importantly than that, uh, people put themselves at risks if they if they connect them into their into their PCs. Because again, any streaming box that you buy to complete a, a, an illegal activity can have consequences on your on your other technology and your other devices. Fantastic. Well, we... I'm not sure. Did that answer the question, Nick? <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, very, I, I, I think it did. I think, you know, essentially, there's a lot of content that you probably can get at, at all different levels, be it... Um, yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, yes, you yeah. can. Um, but but, the, but the for streaming, streaming films, there are easier ways than going into the dark web, I think. But I, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be quite a risky activity to try and uh, find your, your favourite football, <laughs> football uh, team on, on the dark web. Um, okay, great. Well, so 87% of you voted, so I'll close that now and share the results with you, which, um, Richard, I think that's quite significantly higher than what we saw uh, with the EMEA poll, if I'm not mistaken. What, what are we looking at, Nick? I haven't got the figures, sorry. Uh, so, so this, hang on, why, that should have, can everybody else see the poll results? That should say 67%. Uh, have experienced um, identity or credit card fraud, and 33% haven't out of 88% who voted. Yeah, so that's so that's pretty typical um, at the moment, and and again that figure has has you know has increased significantly. Um, you know, um, certainly um, cyber criminals who focus on identity or credit card fraud are quite sophisticated now. Um, you know, and and certainly within the banks, I know that in a lot of global banks, they they, they factor in as part of the fraud, you know, into their risk model that, that they're going to lose a, a certain percentage. Uh, but what we're finding is that you know when it when it's it, it, it seems to be accelerating away. So um, so 67% is 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 about right, um, I would say. Um, and again, just highlights the problem that this is a real problem, not an imaginary one. Um, and whilst banks particularly and organizations tend to refund against genuine cybercrime, we are finding that, uh, that some of them are starting to ask questions now about where the liability lies for a credit card fraud. So, um, interesting. <coughs> well, we have, a, we have a question coming in as well, actually, that uh, is, um, is there a Google of the dark web so you can search uh, to see if you're on it? Yes, yeah, so so um, so we were going to come down the end. There are various organisations that um, offer the ability to put either your email in or some other details and to and to search the dark web to see whether you're on it. Um, we would, I I personally, uh, I would only ever go to somebody who is reputable uh, in doing that. Um, there's always a risk that if someone goes into the dark web with your details, you might find your your details on the dark web. So for that reason, you should only use a reputable organization and someone of standing to undertake that search for you. Um, and again, you know, it's a useful thing to do um, because, you know, whilst there may be no, no indication that there's any wrongdoing, that if your details have been taken, say, from a major breach. So but I'll give you an example. So BA had a breach of 300,000 uh, customers and credit card details. I was one of those. Uh, I was aware that my credit card went straight onto the dark web. I cancelled the credit card. 
and that was it and then there was no issue for me but if i hadn't have known that then that would have been possibly a useful example of why i would need to to have a look at the dark web um you know there, there's nothing wrong with searching it um for sure but i would always do it through a, a recognized third party thank you such as accurate because <laughs> i think you you <laughs> offer that don't you yeah. We, we we do offer a service and i think we'll come into that uh, onto that in a little bit more detail later on but uh, yeah thank you okay um so a lot of the things on, on the slide here we've covered already uh, in speaking to you but again just two key points that uh, that i wanted to highlight i talked about the sophistication of uh, of people getting into uh, your machine uh, from those black boxes if they happen to be browsing um Almost certainly, if you go onto the dark web, either through Tor or through some other um, device, um, the criminals there and the people that exist there would almost certainly try and find out and cross-contaminate the device that you're looking um, at the dark web on. Um, and quite, it's quite common for them to, to get you to click on a website on the dark web um, and release a bug into your system. Um, and the most common thing we're seeing is that they look to take over your webcam. Um, as, as a single point of vulnerability for anybody, if I can get control of your webcam, I, not only can I see your everyday life, um, potentially incriminating um, imagery, particularly if you're a celebrity or somebody of standing, but more importantly, I can see you conduct your bank details. I can see you do a whole lot of things. So more and more, the biggest risk of going on the dark web, even if you don't click anything. So Nick said he went on, but you know his biggest risk was that his machine had been contaminated. Um, the other thing that um, I wanted to highlight was that um, law enforcement agencies no longer uh, are accepting curiosity or a mistaken keystroke uh, as a reason to go onto the dark web. You have to specifically download a browser. You specifically have to go into it. Uh, and more and more, they're not relying on that as a, as a reliable legal offence, uh, particularly with illegal child images and the purchase of any anything that, that, that's illegal at all. And of course, uh, lots of law enforcement agencies run stings on the dark web. So even if you're clicking on a site, it may actually be run by a law enforcement agency who will use it to track you down. So there are more risks on the dark web um, than, than you realize. Now, what does that mean for the UAE? So obviously I've spoken generically about the dark web, um, but I wanted to focus focus on, on your region, which, you know, as I said, is doing fantastic things. Uh, it would be remiss of me not, not to at least just, just point these out to you. Um, but because you have quite a large number of banks, fund transfer organizations, huge telecoms infrastructure, and of course the huge revenues um, and employment from oil and gas, um, you are very much a, a target. Um, and, you know, the target can be financial from criminals, but it can also be political. Um, and we see more and more, obviously, within the Middle East, um, the use of, um, you know, the use of cyber attacks and uh, manipulation online uh, for political purposes. Um, and that includes make fake news and everything else. Uh, and of course, we also see um, a military presence um, uh, as well, where a lot of uh, a lot of nation states now, um, including the United Kingdom, uh, are seeing um, the cyber um, capability as being part of their their warfare capability. And it would be remiss for me not 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 to mention that. So so there are always those risks that exist. Um, there's also a drive for destabilization, uh, which I've noticed. But again, you know, the building of your infrastructure, the way you're doing it, I think is, is tackling that very well. Uh, and of course, the terrorist activity um, that's related to the dark web um, and, and what goes through it again uh, remains a risk uh, for us all, not, not just for the UAE. So just quickly before we go into the next survey, people have often asked me, well, actually, I quite like what you're saying to me. I don't pay tax. I want to build a dark web business. So, so to highlight how easy it is for just from an individual um, to build a dark web business, um, then what I'd like to do is just quickly take you through um, how you build a dark web business. So you'll see on the right of the slide, I've invented a logo, just like a normal business on the dark web, a criminal will invent a logo. I'll have my mission statement, which is almost pretty generic, which is to make money by exploiting people uh, without being caught. But that mission statement can be something different. It could, for instance, be to destabilize a competitor. Um, it could be to cause disruption. Um, but the only kit that I need to, to, to get into business on the dark web is a computer or smartphone or something similar, 
internet access, a bit of encryption software, which I can download for free, um, to set up a fake bank account and cryptocurrency, and a dark web browser. And all of those things are available effectively for free just by Googling um, how to do them. So, you know, there's an irony there that, you know, that, that the internet enables anybody who wants to be a criminal, not only to become a criminal, but it even tells them how, how to do it. And for that reason, um, if we were to set up a company, we, you know, the websites are quite professional, they use imagery, and to be honest, they look very similar to those on the World Wide Web, except they're selling um, very, very um, dangerous things. Um, and you also see the terminology changing on the dark web. We see um, criminals now using words such as data services, galleries, medications and protection, rather than the hard reality of what they are. Uh, and that's to make people feel a little bit better about buying it. And you could argue that people buying it don't care, but they're trying to, but they're in, you know, they're trying to capture as, as many people as they can. In terms of the products and services uh, that we would offer um, as a typical business, stolen ID, emails, passwords, personal information, very easy to get, very easy to pass on. Um, we'd also focus, if I was to do this, on the sale of company financial sensitive information, anything that we can get that's embarrassing, um, anything that, um, you know, that gives us, that, that has some sort of value in terms of information. Illegal images, drugs, weapons and poisons, and all of those other bits and pieces as well, even as as, as we said before, the streaming of, um, of, uh, of new films that haven't been released. You know, whatever it is, we can set up a, a product or service for it. So I want you all to imagine, and I hate to say this to you, that you're all cyber criminals, that we've all set that business up, and we have a list there, um, and we're going to look at risk and reward. So what I want to ask you is, which do you think is the most lucrative product or service from our list? And by lucrative, I mean, which one do you think will generate us the most money with the less risk? Excellent. So everybody's uh, now voting, which is which is fantastic. Um, a question from the audience um, about um, how do we protect ourselves uh, in from working from home basically you know obviously in these un uncharted times you know what are the, the, the risks that, that, that are posed and how do we how do we guard against those I think we'll, we'll probably come in come on to that in a little bit um, shortly with a more in-depth question but anything from a high level perspective Richard you, you don't want to cover at this stage while we're waiting for everyone to vote yeah, I, I, I mean, the, 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 there are three things that effectively um, you can protect yourself at home from. And these are very, very high level, very straightforward. But you'd be surprised how many people don't do them. The first one is obviously make sure that you've got a, a reasonable password in place um, and, and, it, and if possible to have um, two sets of passwords, so two factor um, passwords, if you can. Um, the, the second one is to keep all your antivirus software up to date on your, on your device. Um, you know, very easy to do and very easy, you know, very easy to click on, but so many people just don't do it. And the third one is if you've got a router at home, um, most providers will enable you to put some sort of parental check on it or, or you know, um, put some parental control on it. They're really, really useful because, again, it's just another line of defense. Now, those three things won't necessarily help you if you have a targeted attack but what they do do is they reduce the risk and you know and anything you can do to re reduce the risk is is a good thing uh, and you'll be surprised how many people don't even do those basic three things Fantastic. I mean I, I was always guilty years ago of having the same password for everything which is an absolute you know cardinal sin um, but of course, you know, years ago on the internet, you know, the only way you could remember your password was by having the same one for everything. But criminals know that now, uh, and if your if your details do appear on the dark web, they, you know, for one account, they will try that password on on, on a whole load of different accounts as well. Excellent, thank you, Richard. So the results are in. Thank you, seventy three percent of you voted. So. Clearly, stolen identity, emails, passwords, and personal information highest in terms of the most lucrative product, 56%. Thoughts, Richard? Yeah, yeah and, that, and that's absolutely right. And, and you know, criminals are lazy. They, you know, they don't want to get caught for, for trading um, images or, or drugs or, or guns because, you know, if they do get caught, you know, there are custodial sentences or worse in, in, involved. You know, being caught with, with stolen data um, I don't think there's any, um, I, I'm just trying to think, you know, certainly within in Europe, most uh, legal um, 
processes they, they don't take that that seriously so so it does does represent um, least risk maximum reward uh, and for that reason that that's why we're finding cyber criminals are focusing on the the acquiring of and uh, and selling of sensitive personal data ids um and um, passwords so that's 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 good we're in business i think together there so um i think we've all identified where you know, where, where the biggest area as a cyber criminal is but on the other side for us it also represents obviously the biggest risk as well and we talk about you know and i i i, I won't necessarily go through this slide but but you know We've chosen to go for um, for information to sell, sensitive information to sell. But there are many other things. By having a presence uh, and a brand on the dark web, you know, we, we can also generate revenue. Um, and, you know, we will get inquiries, people asking for images, drugs, arms inquiries, you know, sensitive information. Uh, and as a business, all that we do is we sell them on. So we don't get involved. So someone makes a referral for drugs. We sell it on to another uh, another partner on the dark web uh, and receive a payment for that. Um, so we can so we can trade in something that's relatively low risk, low risk, but it doesn't stop us from from helping um, other criminals and people who want bad things to to get what they want. Um, and that and that's again why the dark web represents a threat. You know, there's a lot of people facilitating um, the acquiring of, of bad stuff um, on the basis of of reselling um, it operates very much like uh, like a business community um, on the dark web um, and we have to realize that this is just not a, a bunch of guys or a bunch of old criminals trying to rip people off these are very very uh, sophisticated organizations um, that are running these very much along business uh, business lines so i mentioned the chances of being caught are very low um, there are many reasons why across the world um, it, it's very difficult. Um, one, we talked about it being anonymous. So straight away, you don't even know who's who's uh, who's doing the crime and you can't even find out who it is. And for that reason, that's why it costs the police lots of money um, to do stings, to put sort of set up false um, uh, websites on the dark web, you know, to, um, to do undercover operations on the dark web very very expensive uh, and very uh, time consuming so you know our chances of being caught for our business are low because the policing costs are so high the actual speed of transactions and i know that when i worked in banking you know the you know if we had a fraud and someone stole money it could be bounced around the globe four or five times through various accounts before we'd even before we'd even realize that it gone and even before the police and law enforcement agencies got involved and i think again you know one of the one of the problems is is really the speed at which if money is stolen or payments are made it's just the speed at which it disappears uh, and i mentioned earlier what we call p2p networks peer-to-peer -peer networks which are um which are like small little communities that exist that actually nobody can get into so technology allows one device to talk to another um and we and we see that with mobile phones being able to share files and bits without the need to go through the internet um and again for the uae because you're going to introduce um intelligent environments so you know your whole um internet of things your whole cities that you build will have intelligent environments that react to what's around them the use of peer-to-peer -peer networks um will will be massive because you need that to make your intelligent environments work so again one of the things i would recommend for anybody that's in that space is that if you do have peer-to-peer -peer networks you very much look at the security of them um, because again um, you know that will be an area um, of vulnerability great Nick. richard so yeah thank you so at this stage i'd um, i think you know we've, we've heard a lot of information here um in a lot of detail uh, some of it quite scary, I have to I have to admit. Um, but you know, obviously, there's there's good things that we can potentially do to um, uh, mitigate some of these risks. So, could I invite James from Thesis uh, Themis back on um, and pose a question to to you, James? And that is, from a practical perspective, what are the key steps companies should be taking to help manage the risks associated with cybercrime during this COVID nineteen pandemic? Uh, thanks, Nick. Yeah, I, I mean, from a corporate perspective, obviously things have changed significantly uh, since since uh, COVID-19, and and the threat has increased as we've heard from uh, Professor Benham. Um, but I mean, firstly, I, I think the important thing is to understand the threats you're exposed to as a business. Uh, understanding the issue is is the first step, and just by the fact that 
lots of people are, are on this webinar suggest that everyone's seeking information which is which is great uh, attend as many webinars like these as you can and, and read as much sort of information and papers as you can encourage your teams to do the same uh, secondly I, I think understanding the specific risks your business is exposed to uh, is very important this is obviously unique for all businesses as it depends entirely on on how you operate who your clients are what products you offer what you know via what channels how much data you hold etc etc uh, thirdly I think you, for, for corporates to, to map out their control framework it is extremely important uh, in this day and age from a governance perspective uh, having identified the risks you're exposed to it's, it's important to set appropriate controls uh, against those that are commensurate to the size and nature of your business so you know many companies will have uh, you know uh, the policies and procedures in place to mitigate this but you know do they have the right systems tools governance and mi to ensure that the controls are actually effective uh, and you are actually protecting your business um, and that's something that themas can very much help with uh, we, we provide a health check service where we come in and assess or audit your current cyber or financial crime controls and we test the effectiveness of those uh, we can also help with the designing the right policies processes and the wider control framework if, if companies don't already have this in place so you know look at what systems and tools are out there uh, to help you manage this, the, the risks that, are, that you're specifically exposed to as a business there are many different security products including email and, and network firewalls out there uh, Accurus also have a monitoring tool that allows you to understand how your staff uh, are using the web, and, um, including the dark web, so you get requisite alerts if, if, if staff are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. You know, uh, we can also help members understand what technology, uh, technology solutions are out there in the market um, and which might be right for their companies specifically. And lastly, I think that people is very often the biggest risk in, in any business because technology is very well essentially follows rules that you set uh, whereas people are a bit more unpredictable so making sure that your teams are well versed in the risks that we we've, we've talked about and um, providing continuous training education to help them and as business leaders you know you, you want to create this awareness and uh, have the right mitigating controls ensure that they're deeply embedded in in your corporate dna and culture Great, thank you, James. Um, I, I know we, we are running fairly tight on time, so I'll hand back to Richard. Thank you. Yes, okay. So so just just to wrap up from, from my end, um, so, so I work with, with several um, law enforcement agencies across the globe. Um, and, and just on a very simplistic level here, there are just some very, very simple things that you can do um, to protect yourself. Um, please do share intelligence with trusted law enforcement agencies. Um, and, I, and I say trusted, you know, you've got to feel happy. Um, but, but by sharing intelligence, uh, it, it, it does make um, does make policing easier um, to catch the bad guys, um, as big as the threat may be. Um, I also think the online due diligence of new staff and customers is important in financial services in particular. You know, that that's quite a mature model. Um, the vetting that goes on, but there are an awful lot of industries where, where you, you know, there needs to be a little bit more um, vetting of staff, particularly regarding, you know, do they have a presence on the dark web? Or is there information on the dark web? Do you need to do a social media check and, 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 and the like? Um, I also think cyber awareness training for all employees should be mandatory. Now, that that, that is actually happening here in the West with GDPR within Europe. Um, the, the law has changed, which effectively has meant that that, that now, now has become effectively mandatory. Um, but I do think for, for everybody, um, even a little bit of awareness training um, takes away quite a large amount of risk. Um, and, and in the COVID-19, you know, working from home is generally less secure. You just need to be aware of it. So, you know, depending on what information you want to have from home or what emails you want to send, it's just an awareness of it. And the last, um, it, the last bit that I want to really leave with you before we go to, go to the very last survey is if you ever want to use the dark web without a legal reason, just don't. Um, there are just so many risks attached, even with downloading the browsers and going on there for you personally, that unless you do have a legal reason, all I would ask is please don't go on the dark web. It is not a good place to go. Now, I have teenage children. Um, and you know they are particularly vulnerable to um, to the temptations of the dark web. So if you are a parent with teenage children, 
uh, it is, it's always worthwhile just, just making sure that they understand that the risks are bad. Um, in terms of the, um, we've got um, two last questions just to finish up with. The first one is, um, and I, hopefully this is a yes given that I've, I've presented to you for the last uh, 40 minutes. Do you believe the dark web represents a threat to your organisation? Okay, votes coming in thick and fast here. 41% of you voted so far. 46, 52%, 56%, 57%, 63%. Just give you another couple of minutes because I know time is tight and I do have an interesting question I do want to ask as well. Okay, 68% voted. I'll close it out there and share the results. I think you've done a good job there, Richard. Yes, uh, certainly appears to be a threat to your organization. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm sorry about that. Um, and just quickly, then um, the next poll, um, and I think James alluded to this, but uh, don't be swayed by him. Do you believe it is your people or your technology that is the biggest security weakness in your organisation? Good question, indeed. Yeah, it's as we've seen. I mean, the the the, the threats are all around us, aren't they? You know, it's it's really. You know, you can you can throw all the hardware you like at a at a problem and all the smart technology as well, um, but the criminals are you know they're always they always seem to be one step ahead of us, don't they? And they're they're well funded, <laughs> you know they're well organised and they make a lot of money out of this. So they you know they're generally ahead of us in terms of um, you know capabilities. Um, and obviously you know you alluded to the five G world and everything becoming digital and smart cities and um, you know the the, the threats. Is unlikely to go away anytime soon. So, okay, I'll close that and share the results. And 67% uh, voted. Thank you. Resounding result there, I think, Richard. Is it people? It is people. Sorry, you can't see that. 83% say people and 17% say technology. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, it used to be technology. Now it seems to be people. You know, people do silly things either for the right reasons. Uh, either because they're vulnerable or because um, they just want to offer good customer service. Uh, we see time and time again, people people want to be helpful when dealing with customers, but they sometimes do that at the expense of their um, of their um, data their, their data security. Um, so good. Well, that that that's good. So Nick, that that's all from me, and thank you for to all of you for listening to me. I'm I'm obviously open for questions now, but conscious of time. So Nick, do we have do we have a few questions to finish up with? We do. With only three minutes left, though, I think we might have to defer and actually um, answer these questions for you via Themis Senate page. We can do um, that. So let, so let me let me hand back to to James to to close out the session. Big thanks to the audience. Great questions, and uh, yeah. I hope you found that very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Professor Bannon. Um, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid we're going to have to draw time on this really fascinating discussion. Thank you to all our guests who have joined today and for those of you who have taken part in the polls and asked so many interesting questions. This is actually part of a wider exploration of the threats associated with the dark web that we are hosting in partnership with Accurus. Our members may continue the conversation on the Themis Senate, our online Q&A portal, as Nick just mentioned. Both Richard and Nick will be on the Themis Senate and ready to answer any further questions that you may have over the next few weeks. On your screen, there is a, a section entitled Handouts. You should see a number of resources that you can download from, from that, uh, in, including information about this. And as a follow on to this webinar, uh, Accurus and Themis will soon be releasing a joint research paper, which will explore the threats of the dark web in more detail. We uh, also intend to host financial crime related events in the Capital Club post lockdown and very much hope that some of you will be able to join us in Dubai for these. If you're interested in attending any of these or, uh, or any other thought leadership events, webinars, podcasts or online learning, then please register your interest on our website and we'll send you details near the time. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank our partners today, the Capital Club being a prestigious business club in Dubai, as well as Accurus Risk Intelligence, a global proprietary data vendor who have a number of specific monitoring tools to help firms mitigate some of the cyber risks that we've discussed today. I would also urge uh, all of our Themis members to look at how you can use Accurus's specialist data, data sets 
and tools to enhance your financial crime controls. If you'd like any additional information, please don't hesitate to let us know. And a final thanks to our guest speaker today, one of the world's leading experts in this field. We're very lucky to have him with us. Professor Benham has kindly offered a free copy of his best-selling book, Cyber Strike London, to any of our guests who would like it. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope this, is, I hope this has been a thought-provoking and interesting webinar. Please do let us know if, this, if we can help you in any way post this, post this discussion. Stay safe and well, and thank you again for your time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the latest Themis podcast. We hope you found it interesting and informative. If you would like to find out more about Themis, get in touch with us via our website, www.crime.financial. You can also subscribe for future news and interviews.